0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. You guys did really good. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Everybody took full advantage of the 120 seconds, and you settled really nice, so you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing really great. Well, hey, uh, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here, and welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're with us. Uh, here's what I want to do for the next few weeks. I going to take about three weeks, and we're just going to talk about some of our Vineyard values uh, for the next few weeks on Sunday morning. And what I want to do this morning in particular is I want to talk to you about something I don't think we've ever talked about. It's in our ethos. It makes us, it's a big part of who we are. And I just want to sort of like articulate something that's very foundational to us in the vineyard as it relates to doing any kind of ministry. And that's the reason today's message is called Ministry Without Hype. Ministry Without Hype. Anybody here ever experienced some hype? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I guess I want to start here though. I want to make this distinction. How many of you have ever noticed that sometimes it's not just what you believe, but it's how you hold that belief? Right? Uh, how many of you have ever, like, maybe held a belief that was actually the exact same as another person? but the way in which they held that belief was radically different from you, and so it was almost like you didn't believe the same thing. But you could have a conversation, and in the middle of the conversation, you'd be like, actually, we agree, but the way you're, the way you're embodying this belief is so different, it almost feels like we don't have agreement. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and really, that's the distinction I'm trying to make this morning. Uh, when I talk about ministry without hype, uh, part of what I'm getting at here is in the vineyard, uh, we have an ethos of ministry uh, and that ethos in, in, includes lots of things like number one, uh, we believe in the, the tangible presence of God being with us, right? Like that, that the omniscience of God is not just a theological idea, but that we could experience him uh, when we gather. I mean, Jesus said as much, uh, but especially when we gather as the church, Jesus said, if a couple of you get together, like you'd expect me to be there as well. And I don't know how this works, but guys, Jesus is among us this morning, right? And here at the Vineyard, uh, we believe that the gifts of ministry, that the way that Jesus uh, poured out the Spirit uh, on the disciples and the way that the church was birthed and founded and grew, we believe that's here with us even to this day. And we believe that regular people could be used to do extraordinary things in agreement with God's spirit. Uh, We believe that all of the gifts of the spirit are available and present today uh, for the littlest kid in nursery, all the way up to the grayest granny in the room. Uh, Everybody's included. We just, that's just what we believe, right? But how many of you know that, that within that ethos, and there's other things we believe, right? But within that ethos, how many of you know that you can hold those beliefs very, very differently and you can express them very, very different ways. And part of what I want to say this morning is we believe all of those things and we believe they have to be held without hype, without hype. So I'm making this distinction between what a person believes and then how they hold that belief. And I just want to maybe give you a couple other examples. Um, uh, how many of you understand that, that Christians all around the world in every kind of church, uh, everybody believes that, that you should confess sin? You know that? Like that's just like a Christian thing. Like if you sin, and you're made aware of it, you should confess it. it. Like the Bible says that God will forgive you, and you could get healed just from confessing sin. But isn't it weird that only the Catholics actually practice it? Like everybody believes it. Like we would be like, oh, I believe that, I believe that. But but who actually does it? Well, the Catholic Church has an ethos where they hold that belief in a particular way that actually gets it embodied in practice. That's interesting thinking about it this week. Uh, also, most business people, most business people believe in success or they work for success. You know, like you don't sit out on a Monday morning and go, you know what I want to do this week? I want to lose a lot. <laughs> Just want to, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to work for a gain. And, and, you know, not only is working for a gain like the goal, but it's actually good. Like there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but you could, But you can hold that belief in success a lot of different ways, can't you? Think about some of the people you know who are maybe driven by success. I I was thinking this week, uh, I was having a conversation with some friends on a text thread about this very thing, and and one of my friends brought up the way that a guy like Warren Buffett holds the belief for success. Think about Warren. Maybe you know some things about Warren, like old guy, lives out in the Midwest, right? Uh, Insane billionaire. Uh, Do you know what Warren Buffett spends most of his day doing? Just reading. He's one of the richest guys in the whole world. One of the richest guys in history, Uh, he believes in success, but how does he embody success? Uh, He goes to his office every single day, and he spends most of his day reading. About what? Anything. Because here's what Warren Buffett believes. The more he knows about everything, the better his decisions can be. Warren Buffett still lives in the same house that he lived in decades ago, even though he's a billionaire. He lives, in a, he lives in a brick ranch home that he's lived in for decades, and the man is a billionaire. And every single morning, he gets up and he goes through the drive-thru at McDonald's, he gets a Coke and a sausage biscuit, <laughs> and he believes in playing the long game. <laughs> right? Now, some people who are also like maybe millionaires or billionaires, they believe in winning and success. And they hold that very, very differently, right? Maybe, maybe there is some different values that get played. So it's not just what we believe, but it's, it's how we believe it. And I was also thinking this week about uh, sports, because that's what I do. <laughs> and I was thinking about the NBA, you know? Uh, every NBA team wants to what? Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. And, and I was thinking about like, the shift that happened in basketball when Steph Curry came into the league. Do you guys remember this? Like, basically, there are these moments in NBA history. Like, there's like pre-Michael Jordan, and then there's like after Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan becomes a template for other players, like Kobe. You don't have, you don't have Kobe unless you have Michael. Like, and you don't really have Michael unless you have Dr. J, but there's these moments that are like, they're like delineation moments. And everybody after Michael played a certain way. And here's how the NBA went uh, with Michael Jordan and after Michael Jordan. It was isolation ball, put the ball in your best player's hands, get everyone else out of the way, and you just need a couple big dumb guys to go rebound for the good guy and knock some heads. That was basically the way. And what I'm talking about here is Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and let me tell you, you I, I sat next to him on a plane not long ago. That man is enormous. His hands are freakishly large. He's still scary. I wanted to say hi, Dennis, but I didn't, you know? But everybody was trying to, like, play that ball. That's what they would do and because, like, you could win with that, right? Like, you, 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 but what you need is a transcendent player. And then Steph Curry comes along, and rather than playing clear out ball where we give it to our best guy, and he goes principally to the rim to either score close or get fouled, Steph went further from the rim. There was a lot of passing, and he was shooting, oftentimes taking what people consider to be bad shots, and he started making them. And now what does everybody in the NBA do? They take lots and lots of threes. Why? Because actually, the analytics would say, "You know what's better than uh, you know what's better than like a mid-range shot? Like a long three, even if it's contested. More long threes will give you more wins than taking open twos. Game changed. So everybody wants to win, but how you hold that belief can be radically different, depending on who you are and the values that form you. So today I want to talk about no hype in all areas of ministry. And I've got this little little quote from Mr. John Wimber. Uh, John Wimber is the guy who sort of like founded the vineyard. And here's what John Wimber said shortly before he died. Two vineyard pastors, he said this, ruthlessly assert the vineyard value of no hype in all communications. Avoid pumping people up for the new thing God is doing. John always hated that. Hated that. Demystify new emphasis, even as the vineyard has attempted to de- demystify spiritual gifts. Understatement is a key vineyard value that I pray will flourish for many years. Isn't that it's kind of re- it's kind of refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. Demystify. Look at the words here. No hype, avoid pumping people up, demystify understatement. Low key. Let me ask you this: uh, Who here's ever experienced hype? <laughs> Who's it, what does it feel like? We can do we can do back and forth at this point. Feel, feels great. feels great. That's interesting. Uh, right here, uh, somebody said manipulation. Yes. Who who agrees with that? Yeah. Yes. Can, does it feel like you're being sold something sometimes? Yes. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm buying a car right now. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, but disco's right. Like the energy can be, can be fun, can't it? It's like, yay, let's just go, everybody, you know? Um, it can also feel manipulative. can feel like selling. Any other words? I'm sorry? Deception. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're playing the shell game, doesn't it? Don't look at this hand over here because I'm doing something over here. Short term, there's also passion. There's a, there's a good there, there can be, there can be passion. Yeah. How many of you know, let me, sometimes, how many of you know you can have passion, but you can be passionately wrong? <laughs> I was thinking about that this week too, right? Like somebody was trying to make an argument with me this week about something and they based it on their sincerity. I'm like, well, that's great. I believe you're sincere. You're just sincerely wrong. <laughs> right? Right. Uh, What other words sometimes come with hype? Any other? I wrote down the word insecure. I wrote like insecure. How many of you? How many of you have ever been around somebody who was like really good at what they did? Like not just a little bit, but like actually really good at what they did. You know, one of the things that I've run into over and over again when I meet somebody who's like an expert or really really good at what they do, oftentimes. There's no hype with that person. They're like real low key. Might not even tell you like what they're into. They're just like super really good at what they do. And, and then sometimes like a person who's trying to do a thing. <laughs> they hit you with this other energy, right? Yeah, it's, inter- it's a, just an interesting dynamic. Uh, and in the church setting, it's really hard when it comes to hype. Because I believe the heart behind hype in the church some of the time is actually good. And here's what I mean by that. Like people know that issues of faith are foundationally important. You know, you know one of the things I believe, I believe it's just like foundationally important that everybody would have a life with God. And I, I believe that it's important that every single person on the planet would know Jesus. Like, I just believe that. I, I think it's a big deal. And, and I understand sometimes when it comes to foundational things, why people would maybe hype it up. We believe that, you know, that God has a plan for people's life. Or uh, sometimes we believe that an event has, pot- has potential to be really powerful. So maybe we would hype. And so, so the impulse in these moments is to pump something up. Uh, but in the vineyard, we've noticed that working up moments or events has some unintended negative consequences. Like majorly, actually. I uh, want to share maybe just a, a few scriptures with you this morning. Uh, one of the things we see in Jesus' life over and over is the avoidance of hype. Uh, here's just one example. In Matthew chapter five, he says, you've heard it said that you must not break your vows. You got to carry out your vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, dude, don't even make any vows. Don't say by heaven because it's God's throne. And don't say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head, for you can't even turn one hair white or black. Just say, yes, I will or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Like Jesus, how many of you hear in what he's saying? Like Jesus is, he's saying a lot of things here. But one of the things he's saying is like, just Take this a little lower to the ground. Take it a little bit lower to the ground. Jesus is pointing out the need to speak and live in a simple way. Goodness is not just doing what you say. Did you notice that? Goodness is not, in Jesus' world, is not simply doing what you say. Right? You've heard it said, you must not break your vows. Jesus is saying, it's not just doing what you say. He's saying something like this. Goodness is saying less but meaning more. Say less, mean more. Like you want to be a really good person? Say less, mean more. And as a preacher, it's like, wow, Jesus, these are really hard words. Right? Because my whole life is words. And Jesus is saying to me, Adam, say less, mean more. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Mark chapter one. This is one of my favorite. This is this is one of my favorite four verses in the whole Bible. Like if I'm, when I'm, when I'm feeling really low, this is something I come back to because I find the heart of Jesus in it. Uh, it says this, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And moved with, G- with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him, said, I'm willing, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning, don't tell anyone about this. Now, Let's just stop for a minute. Like, let's just imagine you're Jesus for a moment, you know? And you can just heal lepr- leprosy people. And honestly, everyone. Because everybody in Mark chapter 1 is just getting touched by God. You should go read it sometime. Like, what is your, what is your first impulse when you, when you pray for somebody and they get touched powerfully by God? We just want to tell everyone, don't we? Tell all my friends. In fact, before I pray for you, let me video it. <laughs> I actually have huge issues with this. And this is like a really popular thing in certain circles of like the world. Like, let's just film everything. I have huge issues with this because Jesus is literally telling this guy, hey, don't tell anybody. It's just between you. What? What do we see here? We see a lot of things here. But one of the things I clearly see is Jesus... Doing this lower to the ground, simpler thing. Let's just take the hype out of this. Hey, you, go, hey, you just go on and you be clean. Go tell the priest. He's going to freak out. Me and you, we good. Catch you around, right? What a thing. What a thing. All right, Luke chapter 9. Here's another one. Poor Shep. Hey guys, it's hard. It's hard to be two. It just is. Uh, One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority. Think about this. What a day, huh? Think about this day. Jesus is like, hey guys, get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow morning, we're gonna do something new. (laughs) Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and he gives them power and authority to cast out some of the demons. No, all the demons and to heal all the diseases. Big day. And then he sends them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Big day. And then he starts saying weird stuff. Uh, Don't take anything for your journey. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, and don't take a walking stick or a traveler's bag. Don't take food, money, or even a change of clothes wherever you go. Stay in the same house until you leave. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you go. Weird passage here. I want you to notice a couple of things. The grandness of the moment, but the simplicity of the instructions, and especially this part about, like, don't take anything. So imagine you're going to go out and do some stuff, with Jesus and in his name, and he tells you don't take anything, uh, what does that mean you're going to have to do? I'm sorry? Trust. You're going to trust who? Other people. other people. Right? I mean, you, you got to trust God, but where's the, where's, the, where's the help coming from? It's going to come from other people. How many of you know that if you don't take anything and all of a sudden you're on a journey that is going to cause you to depend on other people, and if Jesus is telling you, wherever you go, find a place to stay and stay in that person's house until you leave, how many of you know the one thing you can't do is bullcrap those people? Right? You can't, like if you're going to stay, with, how many of you know that when you, when you go on a trip with somebody, you know them like really good? And how many of you know that when you stay with somebody, you, you really you, you pick up on all their weirdness, like real quick. You're like, wow, this is a crazy person. I didn't know, right? And then when, you, when you're staying in somebody's house and, and, and you're depending on them for what? Food, money, and, and maybe clean clothes. All of a sudden, your life has to be based in what? Reality. Reality. You can't, ha- you can't just pump it up. Even though you got all the power, Jesus is, is doing something really, really different. And uh, I, I just, I love that. I just love that. Depend on others. Man, that's, for me, that's the non-hype piece. It's not just Jesus, it's also the Apostle Paul. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. Now this is after like three chapters where Paul is explaining everything to do with spiritual gifts in a church that's gone nuts with spiritual gifts. This is what he says. Hey, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation that God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything must be done to strengthen everyone. And then on down in 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. So there's, there's this thing happening, and Paul has been teaching them about spiritual gifts, and I want you to notice a few things here. Notice the emphasis on everybody gets to play. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Notice the emphasis on everybody gets to play. This is so, this is so, there's something egalitarian about ministry that God wants to give away. It's not about like a special person. It's about God's movement through all the people, right? Uh, uh, Hype tends to stratify, But the actual work of the Spirit is is democratic in some very, very interesting and unique ways. And and I also want you to notice that Paul is explaining how ministry works. Uh, One of the ways that you remove hype from a ministry moment is by explaining. It's one of the keys. We don't keep things mysterious. We want to be open. What is Paul doing? For three chapters, he's just explaining stuff. And then look at the last note. God's not a God of disorder. He's actually a God of peace right? An emphasis on building people up and an emphasis on order and peace. Okay, why? Why would we want to have ministry with a foundation of no hype? Well, uh, several reasons. Number one, it increases authenticity. Limiting hype and exaggeration increases authenticity. This is a big deal. Uh, in, In a ministry moment that is hyped, God may very well be at work, but I and others may not be aware of it or maybe we don't feel it. Or maybe our experience is different than others in the room. And hype applies pressure in those moments for conformity. And it often bruises our humanity. I just want to say that again. When we're in a ministry moment, like a lot of people will be having very different experiences. And hype applies pressure that, that pushes people towards conformity. And anytime there's pressure towards conformity, it will bruise people's humanity. And this is not the work of the Spirit. This is not the work of the Spirit. Uh, in life and in ministry, no one ever has to repent for being a person. No one ever has to repent for being a human. So why do we want to remove hype from ministry? We want to we do that because, number one, it increases authenticity. Like, like you can be you. You can be you, unapologetically. You can be you. Uh, number two, um, it limits exaggeration which is another way of saying it limits lying or making things up. (laughs) And one of the, one of the foundations for ministry is just don't lie. (laughs) Don't make it up. Don't make it up. Uh, and here's why, here's why this is important because anytime we're doing ministry with and, and to one another, uh, one of the things you'll discover very quickly is that there's some kind of risk involved. Um, this morning in our little pre-prayer moment with the staff and volunteers, somebody told a really beautiful story about, about a ministry moment that happened at a barbershop this week where someone got really touched. And, and, I, and I, was, I, was, I loved the story because it was so like, normal and, and great. Uh, but how many of you know that when you're praying for someone, someone who has cancer at the barbershop, there's like a social risk there, right? Like there's other people... Um, like what if the person doesn't get healed? Like, like all these things come into your mind, don't they? They're like, Oh, all the what ifs start flooding in. Oh my gosh. Ministry is often a risk. And when we pray for people, it's a risk. When we give maybe words of knowledge, or if there's prophetic ministry, that's a risk. Like as soon as you start doing ministry with Jesus, it's just risk, risk, risk. That's what it is. And, and you know, Maybe we have something wrong. Maybe we have a piece of it right, but we have something that's like not quite fit together. And, and, and we're trying to cooperate with God. And so the temptation sometimes when you're surrounded by risk, the temptation is to make up the difference with exaggeration or suggestion. And we just don't have to do that. And so when we take hype out, what we're doing is we're limiting exaggeration and we're limiting the possibility that we would feel the need to lie or make up something when, when really we don't have to because nobody has to repent for being a person. Does that make sense? Uh, number three, it limits manipulation. Hype is another word for manipulation because uh, there's something to it that feels like selling or the pressure to conform to a particular outcome. And the last thing we ever want at the vineyard is ministry model that's built on manipulation or control. Like one of the things we never want to do in any ministry moment at the vineyard is manipulate or control people. What we always want to do in ministry is make space and invite. It's very different. We want to make space and invite. We never want to manipulate or control. Uh, And then the next reason we want to remove hype is because it's just the nature of God's kingdom. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, God's kingdom is now and it's not yet. Uh, And that means that every time we get together, the spirit is at work but not in the same way for everybody in the room. Have you ever noticed that? Like God could be doing something really powerful uh, this morning and it would be really touching some people deeply and then other people maybe not at all. Or maybe they're just like not aware of it. Or it just, I don't know, just didn't connect that morning. And that's fine. Uh, that means that every, ting- every single Sunday, there's a possibility that somebody here is going to be profoundly touched by God, maybe healed or restored, and, and then others are not. In fact, I can tell you, every time we've ever had big ministry moments here at the Vineyard, we've seen like, people get really touched, and then some other people who needed it just as bad not get touched. Like, Why would we want to have no hype? Because the kingdom of heaven is now and not yet. That's one of the reasons we'd want to have no hype. Uh, and it means, when we talk about the now and the not yet, it means that anything could happen, but nothing has to happen. Like, like if nothing, quote-unquote, happens this morning it's fine, God is still God and we're still loved. That's what we believe. Uh, It's the awareness also, when it comes to the now and the not yet, it's the awareness that we are not in control of any ministry outcome. That's the reason we wanna remove Hive because the truth is, is I'm not in control of any ministry outcome. I cannot heal anyone. I cannot make God heal anyone. I can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. All we can do is make some space for God to do whatever it is he wants to do this morning, and that is it. We're not God. We pray, we bless, we make space, but we're not God, and the outcomes are always in his hands. That's why we don't hype anything. We're not God. We're not God. And then finally, um, the reason we don't want to hype ministry moments is because, because we want to go deeper into reality. And giving up hype means a deeper entry into reality. It means we're not manipulating or exaggerating. We're not universalizing a moment for everyone, uh, which means our humanity can stay intact and we can live deeply grounded in reality. Um, Spirituality is really deeper entry into reality. This is one of the things I've come to believe over many years of doing church and trying to lead other disciples. Real spirituality is actually a deeper entry into reality. Uh, sometimes we think that spirituality is a break with reality. Uh, but in fact, it's, it's, it's not. And here's why. Because spirituality is waking up to the Spirit of God, which most people are aware of that. Uh, the purpose that he has sown into our lives, we want to wake up to that. Uh, the call and the invitation of God, the lifelong journey to become like Jesus uh, but it's also waking up to the limitations of your humanity. Like, spirituality is not exceeding the, the limitations of your humanity. It's actually waking up to them and then actually living within the constraints of what it means to be a person. That's, that's good spirituality. I mean, that's why God says things like, uh, keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, you can't do everything all the time. It's best if you don't. It's good for you to have rest. Like, this is good spirituality. And, and no hype means that we can embrace that reality. Christianity uh, and Christian reality is really what I would call an expanded field. And here's what I mean by that. Reality isn't just scientific atomic materialism. I mean, it is, right? But it is that and something more. So in the vineyard, we believe, we believe both and here, right? Yeah. Hype tends to try to separate the two or demonize the one in favor of the other, but in the vineyard, we don't do that. Okay, that's why we don't want to do it. So what does it look like in practice? I want to talk here really quickly about what this looks like in practice, and then we're going to, we're going to do lab knock lecture for a minute. Is that okay? What does it look like in practice to have no hype in ministry? Uh, number one, explaining and teaching in ministry moments. So anytime at the vineyard, we're like entering a ministry moment, what we want to do is we want to Explain everything we can, and we even want to teach in the middle of it. Like I don't, I don't care if it ruins the mood. Do you know what I mean? Like who cares about the mood? Like if if God's the one at work, then we can keep the lights on and we don't even have to play music. Like, we don't have to do any of that, right? Like we get. And if God's the one at work, then I could be telling new people who aren't not really familiar with what's happening, I could explain a few things that would be very helpful for them. And how many of you know that doesn't limit the work of God? Yeah, what, and what is that? It's just removing hype right out of the situation. Uh, number two, dial down. Um, John Wimber always used to say, anytime you begin to do ministry, number one, dial down. Um, in other maybe streams or traditions, there's a tendency or a push to dial up. Get hyped. You know, let's rock and roll with this thing. And in the vineyard, we don't. We dial down. Uh, dial down means take a moment to breathe and relax. Like, if you take an extra 60 seconds in ministry, you haven't limited God. You, you've just made a, a little more room to listen and to be aware. And you've protected, like, the person's humanity and maybe your humanity. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to dial down. Uh, number three, what does it look like to remove hype? It looks like normalizing lots of experiences that are in the room. Uh, Here's what I mean by that. Like maybe we're going to do a little ministry and you might notice that sometimes when we do that, um, I or someone else might say, no, uh, right now you might be experiencing this and you might be experiencing something that's really different than this. And that's okay. We're just calling it out, right? We're just saying, you know what? We've been praying and waiting on God and like some of you feel like the, like a heavy weight of God's love on you right now. That's the Holy Spirit. But we would also say, some of you are not feeling any of that. You are beloved by God and it is totally fine. You haven't missed anything, you're fine. You're right. What is that? It's just normalizing lots of experiences that happen in the room. Uh, Include people who feel left out in the moment. Just normalize the moment, right? Uh, Number next, I literally have no idea where I'm at. (laughs) more coffee. (laughs) Removing hype in ministry means make it invitational. Make all of ministry invitational. Invite people to come. Never squeeze with manipulation or control. Uh, One of the things I love in the New Testament is you never see Jesus make people do anything. Jesus never makes anyone do anything. Jesus always invites people to. You know, it's one of the reasons why that rich young ruler moment is so sad, right? Like some scholars think that Jesus was actually inviting that guy to be on his team and to be maybe an apostle, who knows, right? And the guy, he couldn't, he couldn't handle Jesus's invitation. Jesus just invites people. In all of ministry, we invite. Number next, what does it look like? It looks like waiting. This is maybe the most vineyard thing of all. Anytime we move into ministry moments, we don't just go right into it. And even when somebody comes up and wants prayer after church from me or the ministry team, the thing I never do is just start praying. I just never do that. Uh, and here's why we don't do that. Because we just want to remove the height, but we want to wait because we, want to, we just want to wait on God. Remember all that stuff I was telling you a minute ago about like, I don't have control over ministry outcomes. Yeah, I can't heal anybody. All I can do is wait, listen to God, and, and do whatever it is I think he's doing in the moment. And then begin get to pray. So a lot of times at the end of service, when we're making a little space for ministry, you'll, you'll notice that me or someone else, we might take a minute or two to wait on the Lord. And, and for some new people, that's like really awkward. Because our experience of church is, someone should be saying something through the microphone right now. But in the vineyard, we're like, no, maybe we just don't. Maybe we just need to be quiet. Um. I've been in the room. I've been in the room a, a, a few times, like with one of my friends named Steve Nicholson, where Steve didn't do anything for like seven minutes, dead silence. Just he's just he's totally fine, just waiting. What is it doing? It's just all human hype factory manipulation and controls just being evaporated out of that room. Uh, Steve is very funny. He's like a pastor guy who's really wonderful when it comes to ministry and holy spirit moments Uh, one of the things that steve will do is he'll just he'll tell them turn the lights up and keep the band off of the stage (laughs) he's really funny like that why because he wants to avoid all hype at all costs so what does he do he just keeps the lights up no band and we just wait on the lord and either god will do something or he won't and we'll go to lunch earlier it's fine Uh, what does it look like in worship uh, we have an ethos for this in worship too. It looks like no cheerleading. No cheerleading, right? It's the reason why here in the Vineyard you're never going to see the worship leaders like jump up and down and go, Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. You know, no, it's not going to happen. No, just we're, we're not going to gin this thing up. Instead, in worship, what do we want to do? We want to make space, we're going to invite, we want to lead. But the thing we never want to do is manufacture a moment. We're not manufacturing anything. Um, some of you might be sitting there and you might be thinking, well, what about what about joy and fun? I believe in that. I believe in that. And joy and fun are actually different than hype and manufacturing, you know? Uh, the difference is if, if, we're having, if we're having a lot of joy and a lot of fun, it's probably popping up out here and it's not me going, hey guys, have fun, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not, this is not an anti-fun message. This is an anti, <laughs> <laughs> this is an anti the person with the microphone telling everybody else in the room what the experience they're having should be. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, hey, I think I invited a few friends to come help me this morning. have some, some special help this morning. Hey, this is what I would love to do. Um, we just want to take four and a half, five minutes and do some lab not lecture. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, we want to do some ministry. Why don't you grab that microphone there and take it? Yes. Um, (laughs) You don't have to sing. Sing and make it fun. Everyone enjoy it. No. Uh, We want to first just wait on the Lord for a moment. And these people may have a word or two. Uh, in ministry for the rest of the room. And if they do, they will give it. And if they give it and it's for you, we will lean into that. And if not, we will go have a burrito earlier. Is everybody good? (laughs) Hmm. Have you noticed that I'm just taking... Yeah, we're just dialing down, right? Okay. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Who is with us? And we know he's with us because Jesus said he would be. So, Lord, we just wait on you. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.